Hey, Wonderfuls, welcome to episode 473 of the podcast with my boy of summer, Matt Walsh. Who doesn't love a Matt Walsh? I do. He's wonderful. He's been a longtime buddy. And of course, you might know him from shows like Veep or being a founder of the Upright Citizens Brigade. I know you're going to enjoy this episode. He's the best. And I hope everyone is having a good and safe summer. I'm good. How I haven't are you? seen you in so long. It's I mean, true. I haven't seen you pre-pandemic. I haven't seen you so long, and now it feels like 80 years have passed because the last two have gone on forever. Are you in the forest, or is that a fake forest? I'm in. I'm in the middle of a forest. I find that the sound is best in a wide open space, but with trees, birds, occasionally a deer. You moved to Vermont during the pandemic, right? Wait, so many are? Are you saying that because so many people moved to Vermont? Because a lot of people I know moved to vermont really specifically vermont yeah oh i didn't know i'm not even kidding i was just saying i'm picking a wooded uh area yeah no i have like three or four friends who don't know each other who all moved to vermont during the pandemic oh my god i admire like that as if somehow that's the last somehow that's a state that a bunch of people in california heard was like the best place to go to be outside of the insanity I heard a lot of Austin and I just talked to a woman today who went to like Mexico and I'm like, oh my God, that's so good. I wish I would have done that. Did you guys escape anywhere at any part of it? We got to, uh, we were in Tulsa. We went to Mammoth. We went to Oregon. So yeah. And then I took my son to Chicago and, uh, and then we actually did a wedding. So we've been moving around a bit in the last two and a half years. How about you? Yeah. It took us a really long time to realize that we could do, I think, and maybe you can relate to this, but it doesn't sound like you can because you guys were actually making choices. But you also have kids, which I think makes the awareness of being stuck in your house a very different beast than not having them around where time just sort of starts to blend together. But I got so used to traveling for work stuff that I forgot that I could make my own plan to go out of town. And so and my sweetie is very similar. And so we just sort of uh, didn't leave. And then we started we only started to really feel stir crazy like a like a full year in. I'm not kidding. Like a full year in. I had spent, you know, 300 and like 80 days in my own bed, maybe for the first time in my life since I was a child. (laughs) And then at some point we were like, but could we just go get an Airbnb in Santa Barbara? Like that's kind of a thing people are doing, isn't it? And so we did it. And then right after that, things sort of opened back up again, um, even during Delta or whatever. So then all of a sudden, like the rest of the summer, fall and winter, I was gone all the time again. Um, and then we had to cancel the festival because of Omicron. So it's been a weird like the 300 the last 365 days have been very up and down in terms of that. But you didn't go. You went for uh, mostly for work. Like you guys didn't re- relocate for like two weeks in nothing Santa Barbara like or whatever. You just kind of like nothing like very that. little of that. Yeah. I admire we, people who were able to do that. 
Well, I mean, again, no, not having kids, having dogs, like having dogs that you don't necessarily want to have to leave with someone else or take or, you know, whatever. I think that there was a lot of stuff that ended up sort of anchoring us. Then we ended up building a tiny house in the back because oh, that's, that's awesome. the other thing. You either move to Vermont or you build a house in the space that you whatever remaining space you have in your yard. You put more more building there. And you guys so that you built can have it? a little more room. Literally or I can't say we built okay, it. Or you... we definitely have a contractor who, yeah. But it's a tiny is it a wee house, a tiny house? It's pretty small. Yeah. yeah. I mean it's it's it doesn't have a it doesn't have a shower. We had thought we would want to do like, oh we'll save room and we can do like an outdoor shower. So that's sort of still pending. The rest of it is ready. But then it sort of occurred to me like, I mean, do I want an outside shower cuz I feel like it's this is mosquito country now. I feel like that's a, that's really not to blame the victim, but that is asking for it. You for West, you're asking for West Nile. Uh, you're begging for West Nile. <laughs> Please don't tell me I'm going to start hearing about friends of ours who get West Nile. Not on top of everything else. I really am not ready for that. I'm just not ready. No, I uh, I don't wish West Nile on anyone. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm going to Connecticut uh, this weekend. That's West Nile country. That's like the epicenter of West Nile. And you and a good you got a good listen. You stand a pretty good chance of Lyme disease too. So don't worry. I just got another booster too. I so I'm two boosters in. Does that help me for yeah. West Nile? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> it only I'll helps you for know. COVID. I'll I also back. yeah. I also got my second booster, and I did. I was filled with like a not comfortable sense of being invincible in a way that makes zero sense. I was like, cup two boosters. Bring everything. Give me everything. Like, wh- I don't care. Expose me to whatever. It's like, no, that's that's boosting you for COVID and COVID only. So <laughs> why are you being so fearless? This is very stupid. You went out and burned all your masks. I did. <laughs> it's and over. I burned my bras. I burned my bras. <laughs> I felt like I had missed out. Yeah, I had missed out on that as well. Um, what are you going to connect connect by connect for? What are you going to do? Uh, I have a brother there. I'm going out for, uh, I'm doing Colbert uh tomorrow and then i'm gonna go visit my brother uh friday i haven't seen him in a while and he lives up in connecticut and there's like a cool movie theater there that my nephew works at i'm gonna go visit oh cool yeah and my sisters it's good it's a little quick trip how many uh kids are in your family we uh i'm one of seven and uh and then we have three kids so Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. those are the numbers and i'm bringing my oldest with me to new york Oh, nice. So you guys and and that's who you took to Chicago as well. So you guys are getting. Well, we rotate. We do like a a trip. I try to bring a kid because, you know, like you, sometimes we get to go to cool places for work or sometimes it's a wedding and we can't bring five of us. So we'll just bring one. So we try to rotate like between the three kids, like a trip that Chicago, New York or wherever I'm going. Sometimes they, they, they get to come with me if it's work. Yeah. I mean, I would say the rotation thing sounds too fair. I would recommend that you start like hitting against each other. And yeah, definitely make it something that's going to fuck them up for life because there's no rhyme or reason to it. I think the things they compete about are like food, like whoever eats the last Honey Nut Cheerios, they freak out and they try to get up. <laughs> they get up earlier so they can have the last bowl or like. If there's half a slice of cake left, they'll get up early so they can put it in their lunch the next morning. It's like, it's not healthy what we've raised. There is definite competition around. Were you guys, were you like that as one of seven? I think it went the other way with me. I feel like, like for the food competition, it's just my two youngest. My oldest doesn't care about that stuff. But 
I think for like who gets the last piece of cake kind of stuff, you were just, it was always odds. Like literally it would, it wouldn't be a competition. It would be a random drawing. Like literally if there was an extra slice of pizza, my dad or mom would say, pick a number from one to 10 kind of thing. So it was very equitable and random. So it never around food. It never got fiercely competitive. It would make me so happy if you said my parents would slice that slice of pizza into, into seven? seven tiny strips. Tiny, and by you get to the time you get to the bottom of the triangle, it's just like a hair's breadth. <laughs> and then we would live on that for two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> and this was in the Chicago area. This is in Chicago, yeah, mm-hmm, uh, outside mm-hmm. of. Uh, Chicago once I turned like 11, but yeah, Chicago proper. Mm-hmm. Where is it? Where was it? North of Chicago, South of Chicago? Uh, so originally 103rd in uh, Kedzie would be the South side of Chicago. And then we moved to the suburbs when I was like 11 and we were in Darien, Downers Grove, Westmont, Southwest suburbs. And then when I graduated college, I went, I went to Northern Illinois and then I went to, uh, I, I came downtown Right by Wrigley Field, I moved into the city proper, and I lived there for another eight years, probably before I moved to New York. Yeah. Got it. My dad uh, lived in uh, like Evanston, Wilmette area. So really, mm-hmm. grew up. Yeah, that's where he. That's lived? where he grew up until yeah, until until part of high school, and then then that's when his parents they they all moved out to Phoenix, and that's when they became like an Arizona family, which is where I was born and raised in Tucson, not in Phoenix, but. Uh. Um, but yeah, so he has, and he, t- he would talk to me about, uh, Chicago before I knew anyone else for Ch- from Chicago. He loved to talk about how everybody called the wind in Chicago, the hawk. Okay. You're nodding. That's a good thing because I feel like I told four to five people that, and they were like, no one calls it that. <laughs> like, no idea what I was talking about. When the hawk comes blowing in, you better have <laughs> okay. a coat. Yeah, you better have a coat on. Yeah. And it's why is it called the hawk? Just because it's fierce I, like a hawk. Yeah, I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know. It's a it's a regional uh, term, I guess. I, I don't have a good answer for that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but I have heard that, and it's kind of probably blue collary. I don't know why, but it's not like high society people called it the hawk. Uh-huh. <laughs> I think I think the working class people called it the hawk coming in off the lake. Yeah. But I, I don't have a good answer. Maybe it goes back to the indigenous people. Wouldn't that be beautiful? Oh, yeah. I don't know, Could though. Be? And okay, I'm, wearing, we some... I'm wearing a Blackhawk shirt today, oddly enough. Well, that is funny. Which is I'm still glad you pointed that the, out. Which is still one of the remaining uh, sports logos that hasn't been changed. Because I think... It's respectful, but we'll see how long it hangs on. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's true. I, yeah, you're right. Like the Cleveland Indians thing was so cartoonish. And yeah. Kind of, it was like a grotesque. And the Braves are still there? Did they change? I don't know. I don't think they have. I, know I remember the, there was a yeah. there was a hubbub about it, but I don't remember actually hearing that something. No, I'm self conscious about my. my, my <laughs> Just uh, will you please leave it so open so I can see the hawk? So I feel like I was. There's no <laughs> hawk. That I, it's a black hawk. No, I know, but tribe. the word hawk. Just the word oh, hawk. Okay, that's all. Because that's got all it. I can really see anyway. I can't see the okay. image really. Um, okay, so you guys would have a tiny, slender slice of pizza off the last pizza slice. Great. I'm already changing now, history right this- now. Is this show kind of like I'm going to walk through Mount Walsh's life? Like, what's happening here? 
it's not a this is your life. It's just, but I do like to, I do like to touch on. It goes anywhere? Go ahead. It goes anywhere, but I like to touch on where you were a teenager. I do like to hear a little bit about people's adolescence. Teenager, okay. Yeah, because it has shown to me over the last 10 years that there's just something kind of, I, I like that it gives you a sense of who someone is without probing into their personal lives now. It's like a nice, we all have a, maybe a little perspective. we got a sense of humor about it. Um, and we all sort of experience some version of adolescence as being like awkward and difficult and, uh, and in some yeah. kind of way, you know, like it unifies us in some kind of way. Okay. So ask your pointed questions about my t- teenage. <laughs> ask your pointed questions about my teenagers. I like it. as this a lost a- as a lost lonely. <laughs> this is a deposition. Go ahead. <laughs> Isn't it true? <laughs> um, no, but I am curious about just the kind of makeup of your high school. Like, do you feel like where you went to school uh, as a teenager sort of shaped? you know, the friendships that you had and the, and the way, because there, I talk to people who, you know, I t- I've talked to people who are like, I was the only black kid from Chicago who was shuttled up to a kind of a gate magnet program yeah. for gifted kids, like up to up North of Chicago into like white territory. And then I've had white friends from Chicago who are like, honestly, like I was one of the few white kids at my school. And I was think that's interesting just because, you know, it does sort of, uh, inform how we see the world because we just when you're young you just see it how you see it you don't you're not thinking about how some somebody else is an army brat and they're that's their reality and it's normal to them or you know somebody else was homeschooled I feel like we're sort of we understand like this is my family this is what my life has been like and it's only until college that it seems to me for the most part we start to kind of open up and go like oh Wow, I could have I could have come from someplace totally different and had a completely different experience. Yeah, well, I uh, like I said, I moved. We moved to the suburbs, which was sort of farmland when we landed there, and that was slowly turning into uh, subdivisions of homes. So it was like truly farmland. There were barns there, and like tons mm-hmm. of fields and crops still happening, but slowly it all went away. So we were in that transitional uh period when we, and we were like total city kids so it was like kind of strange and co- very much country and riding your bikes everywhere and creeks and like fish and stuff like that were sort of new to us but it wasn't true country because it was all kind of fading with development and i remember like going into like these developments and like you know dangerously jumping on new houses and playing with timbers and stuff like we shouldn't have been there and then i guess my junior high was uh, I moved from uh, one high school called Eisenhower to another school in the middle of the year called Cass. And these two schools were rivals. And I remember that being a seminal, terrifying moment, like getting on a bus. Oh, yeah. And it was in the middle of the year. So it was like the first day in January. And it was the only new kid on the bus. And it was very challenging. And I happened to be wearing all red for some reason, which is so weird anyways, because I still kind of dressed. I'll just pull whatever's in the drawer. But I had red jeans and a red shirt and then my winter coat. Red jeans. Yeah. Let me take that in for a moment. I do remember colorful jeans. Yeah. Like I had some green jeans for sure. Yeah. And so red was the color of my old school Eisenhower. Oh, so it's no. almost like I was fronting like I ain't going to change. I'm Eisenhower strong. Yeah. And then people were starting to pick up on it once I got into school. And so that was like a whatever seminal moment. Uh, I remember. And then going to a small junior high was wonderful. 
And then as, as far as like diverse makeup, yeah, it was mostly like white middle class, I guess, lower middle class. It wasn't like fancy schmancy. It was kind of rural. Like I was saying, it was changing. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the kids I went to school with lived on a couple acres and we lived on an acre for or two acres for a while, but we kind of moved around the same area. And uh, yeah. And then like high school was a big high school named Hinsdale South of which I am now a hall of fame. I am in the Hinsdale South hall of fame. Oh my God. I would have dressed up. I'm so sorry. This is, I am woefully underdressed in my Snoopy NASA t-shirt. Not a first ballot. Uh, it took me a couple tries to get in, but I finally Wait, got really? In. <laughs> yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. Who else is in that Hall of Fame? My friend Frank was a first year inductee and I was like, he was like a deviant, total troublemaker, but he's a brilliant, <laughs> brilliant, sweet guy as well. Like a doctor who works with children and he's very uh, successful. Oh, doctors who work with children, whatever. Yeah, who doesn't? Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, so my first application, I think I went through my essay a little cursorily. I was probably a little confident, like, well, I mean, I'm on a TV show. Is this really necessary? Uh-huh. <laughs> probably. I wish you just written that. <laughs> and then that year, no word, nothing. I don't even know. Does my high school have a Hall of Fame? How did you find out about this? Like, I don't have a relationship to my high school where I would know to potentially be inducted into something. I don't really either. Now I do a little bit, but they just reached. They found me through Facebook or some of my old friends from high school. Found Ew, me. They found you and asked you to apply and then they turned you down. Yeah, they made I me want know. it and then they rejected yeah. me. <laughs> but at my second application, I put more thought into all the questions and my mm-hmm. essay. And it was all filled out correctly. And I think they realized I was ready to represent the school. <laughs> what kind of questions do they ask? What do you, does being on the show you're on uh, reflect? I mean, it sounds like they just ask the same questions I'm asking. Uh, I think it's more like, uh, who are the teachers you remember? What did they take with you? What were some of the lessons that you learned at Hinsdale South that you still use in your life today? You know, what was your experience at Hinsdale South? How did it prepare you for your career now like it was kind of like the in the in the world of those types of questions and then uh you know go ahead speak you know open-ended kind of yeah questions in that vein and every sentence you started out as well as a famous movie star and and television star well I, I actually don't think I was on veep yet so I wasn't really super well known you know what I mean and I was a working actor is what I would call myself but I still yeah. I think I still think I phoned in the first application <laughs> or maybe, maybe I was on Veep the second year and then I became more interesting <gasps> to them. That's all it was. No, so there's star effort. There's star efforts. Did, were you into theater then in high school? Yeah. That was the other thing that kind of asked was like in your career now, what classes prepared? Yeah. Yeah. For your career now. Um, I only did one thing theatrically, which was the variety show where, bunch of my friends we wrote sketches made fun of teachers did snl parodies of <laughs> jeopardy and commercials but we were the hit of the show and it was truly like another seminal moment where i realized like oh i love being recognized for being funny i love being able to create material and then have it succeed in front of an audience i even love rehearsing it and tweaking it for the next night and find mm. you know what i mean like i really yeah. kind of enjoyed it but after that i kind of put it away again because I went to college for like psych- eventually psychology and I was still finding my way. But yeah. in high school, the one uh, sort of theatrical experience I had was, but I, and I also think 
I didn't have the courage to fully commit because I think I was an athlete or not really a great athlete, but I was an athlete. I like sports and I don't know that I felt like I fit in in the theater world. So I probably didn't follow like, you know, I didn't introspectively think about what do I really want to do or I didn't know the kids in it. So I kind of stuck with my peers and, you know, pursued the things I liked. And I was not a great student, sort of a troublemaker, wise guy, as you can imagine. Mm -hmm. And then also kind of a good kid. Like I wasn't terrible, but I was a bit of a vandal, you know, at night. We were, you know, probably drinking too early and running around, destroying a few things here and there. Okay, we're going to take a break. I will be back after a word from our wonderful buddies at Maximum Fun. Hey, it's John Moe. Join me on Depression Mode for conversations on how mental health shapes our life. This week, David Sedaris with stories of his late father that he's finally willing to tell. I think there's a difference between, you know, a good person and a good character. Like, he was a good character, my boyfriend here. And my father was another one of those people. He was a really good character, but he, he, he wasn't a good person. Depression Mode with John Moe, wherever you get your podcasts. Were you a kid who, like, I know that you guys moved around a fair bit. Where do you fall in your age, like in your ages with your siblings? Where, like, were you coming into classes with teachers being like, oh, we got another Walsh. Like, are, you're, you're this person's brother. Like, was yeah. there a sense of sort of I need to set myself apart or I'm proud to be associated with and to sort of be assumed to be like my brothers and sisters? Once we, I did like that. Like when we were in Chicago, I definitely, we, went, we all went to Catholic schools in Chicago and all the, te- it was a smaller community and all the teachers knew my brothers and the Walshes. So I kind of liked that because you kind of felt safe. Like nobody would mess with you. At least like if there was a bully, not that there would be. And then because we you went, came from a family of thugs. Yeah. Because I had older brothers, basically. <laughs> I had older brothers who would look out for me. Nice. And then, but that was like working class neighborhood. It wasn't fancy at all. And then when we moved to the suburbs, a little nicer, uh, my older brothers ended up going to a different high school than me, but I had one older brother closest to me who was ahead of me in school. And he was a good student and a very conscientious citizen. And I was mm-hmm. not that. <laughs> and I can think of a couple times, specifically one teacher, he's, he's like, you're nothing like your brother. Like he was very... <laughs> very shaming me and disappointed <laughs> and like he was optimistic. He's like, Oh, Walsh, I love it. You know? And then like, right. Nope, Nope, Nope. <laughs> and then he would tell my brother, I was problematic and my brother wasn't really, we weren't close at that time. So he would kind of tell my mom. So it was kind of like having a narc who was like a senior yeah. junior when I was coming up. And so oh. I think my brother was embarrassed of me a little bit. That feels like it would just cause more of that behavior. That feels like a real sort of like, like, oh, you're going to narc on me. I'm just going to do that because, do you know what I mean? Like, that just doesn't seem like having your brother rat on you does not seem like it's going to result in you being like, I better straighten up. Like, it just seems like it would invite more of like, fuck you, guy. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm going to go spray paint something. It's like, what, what are you narking on mom? What's wrong with you? You're like, what are you, a cop? Uh-huh. Like, what's wrong with you? Be cool. Yeah. And I was also kind of a good kid. Cause like we, like I said, like we were like 
raised Catholic. So I was like, we went to the church and I was like president of the teen club at the church and we went on retreats. So there was this other like sort of not a goody goody, but just sort of a decent kid. I wasn't like hmm. totally problematic in every venue, but in classrooms, I was disruptive seeking laughter. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. What sports did you play? Uh, football and gymnastics of all sports. Isn't that crazy? Really? Yeah. Again, because my buddies were in it, uh, gymnastics freshman year, my friend Kevin was like, I think I'm going to do gymnastics. You want to do it? I'm like, okay. So I did gymnastics and I wasn't, I got good at tumbling or that was the one because all, all the other stuff was like, you have to have crazy upper body strength, but I had a backflip and tumbling by the end of it. And, uh, Dang. and I did a little pommel horse and some parallel bars and then, wow. and vaulting, but vaulting, they, they eventually like, I think I scared them because like, he looks like he's going to get hurt every time he does a vault. Cause I would do these like hands trying it for the first time. Yeah. Every time, every time is he like, is he going to get over on the handspring? <laughs> and my back would just miss the back of the course. And they're like, all right, that's good for today. <laughs> oh, that's a joy. I would not have expected you to say gymnastics. That's for sure. And is that a thing where they expect you to be, to, to keep a certain GPA to like play football and stuff? Well, I don't know that it's a GPA, but if you're a problematic kid, the coach would talk to you. Like if you're not doing your homework, like you could be a C, you could get C's and they wouldn't kick you off the team in high school. But I was like a, a B student, I would say, you know, well, that's not bad. Yeah. Yeah. And I did find like the teachers in my mind that allowed you to feel like an adult or asked you questions in a Socratic way. And they weren't just like, delivering it by road. I probably had an undiagnosed ADD too. There's like other reasons that I was probably disruptive, but sure. I got along swimmingly with them. If it was like open discussion and philosophy and things like that. And then there were some teachers that were just uh, too easy to have fun with that. I uh -huh. <laughs> Was the coach the kind of guy who would sort of be authoritarian about it? Or was his approach to sort of put his arm around your shoulder and be like, ah, buddy, I hate to do this. We both know teachers are lame, but I've heard a couple things or like, you know, or was he like, listen, as a father figure, I need to talk to you about this thing that you've got to get straighten up. The coach in football the ones I remember are like, they're sort of like uncles that are strict. Like one, the head coach mm. of the football team, I don't know. It was kind of like, had the personality of Bill Belichick and also like only like the players that were studs that were probably going to get a college <laughs> ride. And then yeah. he just treated everyone else like shit. And then I had, <laughs> him, and then I had him as a teacher and he was the, he taught math, which is a difficult subject, Oof. but he made no attempt to like, engage you and pull you into what was happening when you were lost. It was just like, this is how you do it. Okay. I'm going to sit down. And then he would just sit down and do his thing. And it wasn't, he was like a terrible teacher. And honestly, I think a terrible coach, quite honestly. Yeah. And so, but there was another coach, Ker coach Kerwin, who was awesome. And he later became the regular coach. And he was like a young guy out of college. And he was sort of like big brother and he was super strict but you could have laughs with them and you kind of didn't want to disappoint them. You had that kind of relationship with them. So yeah, I never had like problems with, you know, uh, too many detentions or anything like that. I wasn't like super problematic. I feel like, and this is, Again, this is, the, again, the psychoanalysis. I mean, listen, you studied psychology. I didn't. I absolutely had no uh, goals or focus in college and only majored in theater because someone kept telling me I had to major in something. But 
All that being said, let me go ahead and deconstruct you. Well, I you have a show. Like, you do have a show where you analyze people's teen years, so you are qualified. I mean, am I am I analyzing? Am I analyzing? Well, I am analyzing right now. But I do feel like, don't you feel like everything you just sort of described does sort of carry over into you as an adult? Like, you're not a pushover. You are very wry. You know, you're very, you, you can be super snarky in the right context, but you're also like very friendly and very beloved and very easy to work with. And that's something that you've, I mean, that's a reputation you've had for a really long time. Um, people want to put you in their stuff. Do you know what I mean? But you're not a pushover. You're not like, oh, he's just the nicest guy. You'll never meet a nicer guy. Like everybody's like, oh, well, she's great. He's the best. He's super funny and he's super nice. But there's no, but there's like, you definitely still have an edge to you. And I think that is kind of an interesting balance to strike. Well, I think when you say edge, it makes me think of, I, I definitely always felt like there was something else like being in one of seven and being in like a, a nice suburb. And uh, I always wanted to know, like, I was always fascinated by the other, like a kid, African-American kid moved into our neighborhood. I instantly wanted to meet him. Like, mm-hmm. I want to be friends, you know, like, I'm like, that's different for no other yeah. reason than it's different. And I've always had that, like, curiosity about the other. I always feel like, why is it got to be like this? Mostly yeah. because... I grew up inside of a place, you know, a home that was like, this is how you do it. Get to school. There's seven of you. Don't list. Just just do it. This is how we do it. And so I was always like bucking up against it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also very loved. Like my mom is, a, is an amazing lady and my dad was great as well. But so I feel like I was always curious about the other and, and felt, you know, like every teenager was rejecting everything and thinking he knew everything. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And, and of course, didn't. But I, I at least had the inclination to reject things that were supposedly just, well, of course, that's true. You know what I mean? And yeah. so to that end, I feel like some of the disruption that I had was was based in that and a curiosity for something different, and not just swallowing, you know, sort of because it was a very. Um, not in a scary way, but it was a very like homogenous sort of Republican mm-hmm. middle class. Uh, county DuPage County is a wonderful educated place uh, but it was also sort of homogenous and there and then I think you talked a little bit about like diversity like for me our diversity diversity was like fair amount of Asian population fair amount of like Indian population not a lot of like African-American kids in my high school a few though I was friends with a couple this guy Marlon who really nice cat who we found out he was gay after college and it was like, what? Like, it was like, so he had a lot, he had a lot going on. He was like one of the only like African-American kids in a high school, but also like figuring out how to be gay in the the eighties. You know what I mean? Oh my God. That's a lot. Yeah. So that's just sort of like the homogeneity of like where I was, but also like educated and kind and not hateful people that I grew up with. Yeah. What was the dating rule situation with a Catholic family? Who took that seriously? Were, no. <laughs> no one took that seriously. I mean, as far as like I had to date a Catholic person? No, no, oh. but I've had, but like there are folks who are like, I was not supposed to date. Like I simply was not supposed to date until, you know, after high school or whatever. Were these boys or girls? That's a good question. I guess I, I guess I'm, sh- I'm thinking of girls. I feel like it's harder for girls inside like a traditional Catholic family to date, but my sisters dated, but I think they're more scrutinized like I remember my sister had a boyfriend come pick her up sophomore year and I was totally like intimidating him I'm like sit down man 
Like, <laughs> what's your name? You know, uh-huh. just so you know, you better behave. Like, that kind of attitude, you know? <laughs> so I think it's a little different for women. And then I don't know that I brought too many dates home, but I also like went to dances and had girlfriends, you know, probably senior year or eighth grade, you know? So yeah, I don't know that uh, there was, it was discouraged to date. Probably there was one time I do remember. Good thing we're not recording this, right? Good thing. There was a faint, you know, like I worked at a, I had, I always had jobs since I was like in you know seven years old and we would keep half the money and give half to my dad to help pay for everything. So we were kind mm-hmm. of like a farm economy. Everybody pitched yeah. in and, and which I loved actually. I, I do love it. And I had a job in high school where I was a cook at a Baker square and I cut my finger and they gave me a uh, finger condom where you just uh-huh. roll to keep the cut clean. <laughs> and then it was in my, my mom was doing washing. It was in my jean pocket and she found it. <laughs> she was so upset and I was laughing. I'm like, it's a finger protector. What do you think it is, mom? And she wouldn't even say it. She wouldn't even say it. She's like, what? I'm like, I cut my finger uh-huh. at work and they gave me that to protect it and keep it clean. I'm like, what'd you, I kept saying like, what did you think it was? Uh-huh. She's like, I, no, well, I just, okay. Okay. So yeah, did, it, did anybody have the talk with you or was that something that came out of like sex ed in school or like just friends saying like, fortunately I had a good, um, I had a good eighth grade health teacher who I nice. feel like gave us like a, the best like breakdown of sexuality and reproduction and gender and stuff, you know, at that time. Yeah. Uh, and back then we were taught, you know, boys were taught by him and the girls were taught by another teacher. So it was still kind of separate. Yeah. Um, so I got a really good download from him and he was a great guy. Uh, I think he's still around this guy, Charlie Kern. He was a f- football coach, basketball coach, and he treated you one of the first teachers to treat you like an adult, like to, kind of equal equally like respect you and uh and I always enjoyed that you know getting that kind of respect at a young age I felt like those are the teachers I really bonded with oh for sure especially if somebody's going to be doing that kind of thing because you know that's a good balance to strike to be to have authority and to to, so, so that he's not acting like a kid he's treating you guys as equals I think that that yeah the information goes down a lot easier, especially when it's like sort of embarrassing, weird stuff like sex ed to not feel like someone's like, now, yeah, everybody turn around because I've got this thing for you that I need you to see. Yeah. Um, that's, yeah. that's good. Less clinical, I, more personal and more like he shared a little bit of his appropriate stories and stuff. So uh-huh. it was good. <laughs> it was good. Appropriate stories is the key. Yeah. Um, you guys, I was banging this chick. And, uh, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully he kept it above board. God, I would hope he would keep it above board. Um, and then, so you started doing improv. What did you start? Did you start doing that in college or after college? My senior year in college, I would drive into a place called Players Workshop, take a class on a Wednesday night, and then drive back another two hours back to campus. So. And then when did you get into it where it was like more taking up more of your time than like that single night a week? So I had a split focus right out of college. I was working on a psych ward trying to and taking a couple courses towards like a master's in psychology. Uh, and then at night I was with my living with my sketch group 
Uh, and we were writing and filming things and doing shows and trying to catch breaks, uh, a group called the Department of Works. Mm-hmm. And I did that for like a you know, year and a half, two years. And in the middle of it, I took like a nice walkabout and I went to Europe again. I'd gone for my junior year in college. I went to Europe for a year because I didn't know what I was doing. And uh, a girl on my floor is like, you should go to Salzburg, Austria, because then you can go on a train and you can go to Italy and go to Paris. And every weekend you can travel. So I'm like, all right. And it costs the same as my tuition. So I, I somehow hoodwinked my parents into letting me go. Uh-huh. And it was great. And then my second trip, I just kind of backpacked around for like three or four months in Europe. And I sort of came back knowing like, oh, I have to do comedy. I have to pursue it at least. Like I was sort of straddling psychology and theater performing. And so I kind of had my moment where I came back from that, saved up some money and just put psychology away forever. Yeah. Forever for now. I would do, I like psychology. Like I, I like being you in an interview. Yeah. I, I prefer to not be vulnerable, but I do like listening to people's problems and seeing if there's an insight I can provide or, but I don't know that I have the tenacity to complete a degree to become a psychologist right now. Yeah. But never right. say Again, never. right now. Right now. I should have done it during the pandemic. What was I thinking? That's what we all say. Everybody feels like anybody who didn't write their book during the pandemic feels I was really busy during the pandemic. And also anybody, again, who's a parent, like there was a lot going on. That's, you know, I mean, I don't know. Maybe you had unstructured time completely by yourself where you could have like dug deep into a totally different foray. But I, I was not in that space. I was like still working on stuff it was a weird time but i don't i don't feel like i had any more spare time i just had like everything was spent at home instead of elsewhere well i i I like you similarly like when you explained like you and your sweetie realized at some point oh my god we can just go to santa barbara i feel like i sort of travel out of response to work and i sort of keep my head down and i don't have that like takes me a while to have that vision to Mm -hmm. see like oh i can creatively mix things up. But do you feel like that did, was the project that I'm about to ask you to tell me about? Um, was that born out of, I mean, it's, you made a thing and it's coming on the heels of a pandemic. Did, was, were you interested in, did that come up for you then? It came up before the pandemic. I pitched okay. my, my friend, Brad Morris, just basically half an idea. Like what if there was like a soft apocalypse, meaning there's no Wi-Fi and there's no cell phone, but everything else is working. Yeah. You know, we still have groceries. We can still, maybe we can't use the credit cards, but we can have cash. Like, what would that be like? And then it evolved yeah. into uh, a, seeing that story through a couple and moving forward uh, from that. Okay. So tell me more about it. So it's basically a couple from Chicago. Dan was in the advertising game and then he kind of blew his big shot and he's been sort of licking his wounds in the garage for like a year and a half. Very, very pandemic wise. He started a hot sauce business and he's, (laughs) he's convinced himself he's kicking ass, but he's not really awake and he's a little delusional and he's spending a a little too much time playing video games while the sauce is cooking with kids in Europe, et cetera, you know, and Uh uh, Janine, his wife in the meantime, has sort of flourished. She became the breadwinner and she's in like real estate leasing and commercial real estate, but she's also a type A that it just completely consumed her. And she's on her phone 12 hours a day and she's always working and she's popping up at three in the morning 
writing emails under the covers. And so she went off the deep end with her sort of new version of herself. And at some point, there's a character in the story who passes away, one of my only friends, the UPS guy. And we find out that he was very productive in his life because he put his phones down at night and on the weekend. So Dan begs his wife, please, can we just go away to nature? No phones, no screens, no nothing and reconnect. So they decide to do that. And then because they're so addicted and they've never done anything like that, and they're around people who are like preppers and with different points of view, they they are convinced by the end of the story that like drones are following them, that the grid has been hacked and that we're going to be at war with China. So <laughs> that's basically the story. And where could people see it? From their couch, anywhere. Get Sit on your couch, go to On Demand, type in Unplugging. And it's mm-hmm, evil, mm-hmm. evil on gray. I just want to plug who's Please the best. Do. You would love her if you ever met her. She's the best. Yeah, I don't think I've ever met her. She's Couldn't, definitely someone that I, yeah, that I've never come across. Wonderful person, do. talented, funny, in it to win it. It was like an indie movie, as you know. Yeah. So there, there's no trailers. So she's like moving light stands with us, sandbags. She's the best. Oh, oh, it's time for a quick break. I will be back after a word from our friends at Maximum Fun. Hi, I'm Jesse Thorne, the founder of Maximum Fun, and I have a special announcement. I'm no longer embarrassed by my brother, my brother, and me. You know, for years, each new episode of this supposed advice show was a fresh insult, a depraved jumble of erection jokes, ghost humor, and frankly, this is for the best, very little actionable advice. But now, as they enter their twilight years, I'm as surprised as anyone to admit that it's gotten kind of good. Justin, Travis, and Griffin's witticisms are more refined, like a humor column in a fancy magazine. And they hardly ever say bazinga anymore. So, after you've completely finished listening to every single one of all of our other shows, why not join the McElroy Brothers every week for My Brother, My Brother, and Me. Um, okay, this, have you ever played MASH before? This is, I'm showing you the pad like it should mean anything, but this is something that I think predominantly young women play and played. It stands for mansion, apartment, shack, or house. And basically what I'm created is an alternate universe, uh, wish fulfillment sort of reality. So all you have to do is just come up with answers off the cuff and it will be sort of all positive and should be asking you to imagine things that you like. Can I ask you a question? No. So for example, I want yes. one question, just one question. Okay. All right. Yeah. Am Walsh. I going to get, am I going to get a fully collated and comprehensive analysis of my personality when this is done? Like, will your assistant email me what you found? I will say, give me, it usually takes me about six months to fully wow. process all the data. Mm-hmm. I welcome it. I welcome There's it. There's a lot of data, a <laughs> lot of data. Okay. I'm going to have to send, I'll, I'll send you a special ring. It's not an aura ring, but it is a little bit like one or a Fitbit. And I'm going to have to, I'll take two months, I guess, two months to pra- uh, sort of process uh, all your vitals. Okay. And that has to incorporate into it. And then I'm going to have, I'm going to send an astrologist over to do your chart. Okay. Um, so it's, it's a multi-layered process. This is really just step one. I'm so glad um, I did this podcast. <laughs> it's I going love to be ev- it's going to be worth every penny. I'll finally understand that I'm charging who I am. you. Uh-huh. Oh, you're yes. charging me. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. Did that was that that didn't come through? No, my two publicists that arranged this. Oh, uh, my three publicists that arranged this. Uh, never mentioned that. 
Okay, well, we'll we can work out some of those details. I th- I want to say the paperwork's already been signed, but I'll you know what I'll take a look. I'll take okay. a look. Okay, well, I, honestly, um, I want it, so I'll pay whatever. I okay, want, I okay, want the great. analysis. Okay, wants it and will pay whatever. <laughs> okay, uh, all right. So for this first category, I'm going to say three based on kind of what you were just talking about. Three places in the world that you would love to be able to have a sort of relaxing getaway, and we're gonna we're gonna pretend like the travel is not a- an object, so we can sort of teleport you there, so you don't have to take that into consideration. It can be as far away as you want, and you're still going to get there in you know a second. Three places you would love to have a getaway. Uh, Hawaii. Like tropical Hawaii, mm-hmm. sort of rustic Canada, Montana, mountainy mm-hmm. with, a, with a trout stream kind of vibe. Oh, specific. Okay, trout stream, great. And uh, probably like a deserty, like New Mexico vibe, but like with a really good golf course nearby. Great, New Mexico golf. Great. I like okay. the red. I like the red sand in New Mexico. Ugh, New Mexico's Gorge. wonderful. Yeah. It's wonderful. Uh, okay, next one. Let's do three movies that you can jump into and just hang out in that world. You're not reliving the plot. You're not a character in the movie. It's just sort of like, ah, oh, I used to love, you know, Goodfellas so much. I don't know if I'd pick that one, but uh, that you want to just kind of be in there and hang out in that space. And it can be, you know, a grounded reality, or it can be like Hobbiton, whatever. That's not what they call um, it, I guess, in the movie. I would say during the pandemic, me and my kids went through every uh, uh, Avenger movie. So I would say something around Iron Man or the Avengers. Great. I'm a sucker for the Iron Man character in, the, in that world. Great. Um, I haven't gone back to it lately, but I feel like Ordinary People was one of those movies I was oh. fascinated by. Yeah. That sort of moody teenage love story but heaviness and yeah family theatrical mary tyler moore incredible yeah Sutherland. psychiatrist or psychologist Judd, yeah Judd Judd hirsch. hirsch yeah all right I'm so putting, that I'm that, that kind of movie that movie still uh works for me great and well i'll give you two answers one is i, I always Occasionally, I force my kids to watch the Dark Crystal universe. Oh, sure. Yeah. It's so yes. bizarre. Yeah. And then I, I also tend to love this comedy called uh, With Nail and I. Oh, yeah. With Nail and I. It's great. Which I could watch, you know, forever and ever because the words and, and it's just, again, it's like a fascinating, yeah. wonderful world. Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't know how I'm adding a fourth category you pick to this, one. but I guess you pick one. Oh, the no. Doctor. Oh, You're no. the doctor. <sighs> I'm going to pick the Dark Crystal only because. I have the same feeling about it, which is seeing it when you're really young. It's so different than anything else that you were seeing. But you understood that it was the Jim Henson company. So you sort of have this familiarity with it. But it ends up for me feeling like a fever dream. Like, could I? am I remembering this right? You know what I mean? And then you rewatch it and you're like, no, I was remembering it right. It's pretty weird. And it's not even plot. It's like the aesthetic you're going into. Oh, and the other one. Either of the Blade Runners, which is sort of in the oh, Dark Crystal yeah. universe, but let's oh, just stay yeah. with Dark Crystal. Okay. Because oh, that's yeah. all mood and aesthetic, the Blade Runners. Yeah. So it's just incredible. Oh, so good. So good. Okay. Next category, let's do three foods that you can have in this alternate reality at the snap of your fingers without any ramifications. So you can have as much sugar as you want if it's, you know, in the form of a brownie. It could be also like a thing you had once somewhere far away that you've never been able to have again, but we're going to be able to, you know, sort of conjure it for you whenever you want it. Um, It could be, you know, Chicago deep dish pizza that you can have, you could eat 50 of and not ever feel sick or whatever. 
three foods that you would love to have. It's not the only thing you're eating, but you can have whatever you want. Uh, crab legs with melted butter. Great. Uh, can I go delicious red wine? Does sure. that count? Okay. Yeah. And honestly, like fresh baked sourdough with butter. I oh, mean, hell yeah. Two of them are with butter. Interesting. Uh-huh. <laughs> Interesting. Doc. What does that mean, Doc? <laughs> doc, what does that mean? Am I in trouble? I, again, I'm not able Please to. Please tell me. I can't speak to this. Am I going to be okay? If in six months you're still alive, we will be able to have this conversation. Theory, set up, better help meeting. set up better help meeting. <laughs> and it, I also require you not to see or speak to any other form of therapist because that could muddy up the work. Cancel better help appointment. <laughs> All right. Next one is, and th- these are always the hardest when I know and adore uh, someone's uh, significant other, but this is MASH. It does involve a sort of alternate universe like of crushes or of fictitious characters. So three people that you would like to have maybe a little romance with, a little sexy time with in this alternate universe. It could be like a cartoon character, just, you know, somebody from history uh, at whatever age or era you want. Three. Well, I'll just go like seminal, you know, uh, Elizabeth Shue and the Karate Kids. Oh, hell yeah. There was like a Carrie Russell crush Felicity for a while. Sure. And uh, I mean, if it's fantasy, like, I mean, Robin Wright Penn is just like bonkers. Yeah. Great. Great. Okay. And Jessica Lange. I can't. I keep keep coming up with four. The fourth. That's going to be very significant in my analysis. All right. The fourth. The unwilling to stick with three. See, I'm a disruptive personality. Very troubling. I don't like to be hemmed in. Very, very, very troubling. Okay. Next category. Let's do three. Let's do three alternate universe jobs. Let's give you the chance to sort of play with uh, some other careers. Shrink. Yep. Chef. Yep. And like uh, almost like stuntman, like just doing like physical stuff. Great. For film. Great. Okay. Uh, Next category. Let's do three musicians that uh, write an album for you. That's just sort of like somehow you don't have to you don't have to even talk to them about it. Somehow they're just going to have and these living or dead bands, composers, whatever you want, that sort of have this ability to create this album. That's like, oh, my God, this is the music I always want to listen to. Like whenever I'm in the car, like this is my life. This is me. Mm, John Prine. Yeah, great. You're giving judge. You shouldn't give it. Can I give you a note? You should be silent and not give me feedback on my choices because now I'm going to unconsciously want to appease you. You're, you're contaminating the data, Doc. I am contaminating it. I am contaminating it. You should just go interesting for every okay, okay, everyone. All right. all right. I can do that. I can definitely do that. I can definitely, definitely do that. Uh, the Beatles. Cliche, I know. Interesting. <laughs> Thank mm-hmm. you. And uh, you know, again, it's four, so I'll go. Uh, it is. Are you thinking? It feels also like you're thinking of. You think of each of the first two on their own, and then for some reason, you think of two simultaneously. It's not even. Doesn't even come out like you're thinking of one, and then you slowly then think of the fourth. It's like one, two, three, four. Well, I go one, two with gut. And then when I get to my third, I'm like, I don't want to be hemmed in. I don't want to sit on top of the first two. So I feel like I want to create a little space so people can't pigeonhole me. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so then I start to quit, you know, go back and forth. But 
It's between uh, Tom Waits and Radiohead. So I will go with uh, Radiohead. Interesting. Uh oh, interesting bad, <laughs> interesting good. Oh no, I'm infusing. I'm afraid I'm infusing emotion into the interestings now. This is very bad. I I'm a I'm a little bit in crisis right now. I'm a little <laughs> bit in crisis. Okay, next one. Let's do three skills that you can improve, either improve upon if you have the existing skill, or that you could sort of wake up with tomorrow and you oh sort of download it at Matrix style. Music, piano, or guitar in a second. I can't do anything musically. I would kill for that. Okay. Um, I would love it's it's more of a trait, but maybe it works, Doc. Uh, obsessiveness. I feel like I'm always happy with eighty percent excellence, mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. I'll move on. And I meet mm-hmm. people who like when they're cooking or if they're like fixing something, it's like a hundred percent, and they lay the tools out, mm-hmm. and, and yeah. they have they have it all perfect, and then they go into it. Ugh, I'm not that person. I'm at not that all. person either. So. Is that a skill or a trait? No, I think it absolutely is. It's yeah, it's like attention to detail and the patience and yeah, like wanting it to be perfect uh, yeah, in not in a not in a healthy way, but in a in, in a in a healthy way. I would call it like type A obsessiveness if I mm-hmm. could characterize yeah. it. Okay, um, I'll ask you not to do any diagnosing of uh, traits. Type A is absolutely a bit a bit of a diagnosis. So okay, and it, then I'll leave that to the professionals. And, and then what uh, is your third? Is it, can it be real or fantasy? Flying. I'd like to be able to fly. Tell me. I'd like Great. to be able to fly. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Oh, too interesting. That's a first time you said three interesting. Okay. Oof. Um, I'm going to my... get a new, I'm get a new pad. <laughs> Can I change my answer? <laughs> no, oh, no. Oh, mm. Nope. Flying. Interesting. Okay. And then final category. Let's do three... <laughs> I'm testing you on this one a little bit, but three, either three sort of general sports teams that you would love to be able to kind of go back in time and see play at least one game or like a specific moment in the history of like some sort of sport moment that you're like, oh, it would have been really cool to see that happening in in real time. Well, there's simple like the Bears, 85 Bears, like the Bulls, Jordan era. Great. And uh, I mean, interesting. Yeah. Oh, great. Sorry. Oh, good. I got two great ones. I got to keep that going. So, so, <laughs> she, so she likes the first two. So I need to pick something similar. So I get approval. Um, something with gymnastics. <laughs> I don't want that. actually. Uh, your, your other passion. Your other passion. <laughs> gymnastics. Gymnastics is not my pet. Are you hearing something? Are you acting like I'm saying something? I'm not saying anything. Uh, so you like you like gymnastics. <laughs> <laughs> All right, gymnastics, gold medal, nineteen. Uh, I don't know. Like, so it's uh, one, two. Wow, that's a good question. I guess to be a part of, or to witness again, or to be in the middle of sort of a, a sports moment or team, I would probably go. There was that uh, 1980 Olympic team where they beat Russia. Oh, yeah. It's a long time ago, but that was pretty magical. Yeah. Okay. Uh, give me a number between one and seven. Seven. Okay. And while I quickly, there's a very scientific method that takes me to the answers. No. There is Just a very scientific. 
Okay, Walsh. Yes, you. Because tests can be prejudiced and sometimes they don't test what they're supposed to be testing, right? Mm -hmm. They're not fair in some ways. Mm -hmm. When you say when you say between one and seven, mm -hmm. isn't that technically two through six? Because if you're sitting on top of seven, is that still between? Wow. Is that still between um, one and seven? That's a great question. Or, or just revisit it. No in one's your surveys. ever asked me that before. No just, one has ever asked me that before. I'm just thinking the subjects in your what testing. What a curious mind. What a curious mind. Is that good? If you are, if you abide by your own proposed rule, which, I mean, you're not saying it's a rule, but you're asking a very, very smart question. Would that change your answer? If you knew that what I had meant was two through six, would you still be glad that you picked seven? Like, aha, seven, because I could have interpreted that differently. I can't go back. Like, I'm going to stick with yeah. seven, but I guess I'm going to give you a note, which is like, maybe say one through seven. Pick a number one through seven. Right? Seven, is that seven, how I would yeah, say it? Yeah, as opposed to between. Pick a, num pick a number one through seven. It's a lot to digest. It's a lot to digest. Well, if you want to get better at your analysis, you should be open to feedback on my side of the chair because I am, you know, I'm trying to grow. I'll tell you what. I'll make you a deal. I won't. I'm not going to analyze the first thing, but I'm going to think about letting you in and I'm going to think about taking your note. Okay. That you asked me to do two things. You wanted me to take the note and you wanted me to think or think you wanted me to think about taking the note and you wanted to do me to think about the idea of you contributing and, and improving my work. And I'm gonna do the second one and I'm not going to do the first one, okay. but I might come around to the first one. All right. All right. Will you please uh I, I mean listen, we've established it already, but I'd love to have people just revisit unplugged. Um Tell people where they can find you, follow you, uh, anything else you want people to check out. Um, and uh, and once again, I mean, I know you said you can get it anywhere from your couch, but can you? Uh, yeah. Unplugging is a movie that's on video on VOD and it's on Amazon, Hulu, iTunes, all your like purchase sites. And you, just sit on your couch and turn your TV on. I bet you'll find it. And then... Uh, the only other plug is I do a podcast with my buddy, Tim Simons from Veep, and we watch every episode of Veep. It's another rewatch podcast, just what the world needs. Uh, it kind of is, though, as a person who does one. Oh, what's yours? Uh, mine's all Avatar The Last Airbender and like Legend of Korra. <sighs> it's through Nickelodeon, so... My daughter you know, loves that show. Oh, you should tell her to listen. It's very, it's, it's, it's safe for whoever. Yeah. It's like anywhere you get podcasts, but it's, we go through, it's a rewatch show, but then, you know, we also have a ton. The other half of the episodes are special guests, how the martial arts were created, how the world was built, you know, the, the cast, all of that kind of stuff. What, uh, what is it? What is yours called? It's called Braving the Elements. Okay. So get your plugs in here, Janet. Do you have any other plugs you want to get out? <laughs> Uh, and um, then again, my services, <laughs> while expensive, are very worth it if you have the patience to wait six months. I'm taking it. And then uh, that Veep thing is called Second in Command, and it's probably anywhere you get podcasts. It's on cast media. Uh, okay. But that's a fun one. Yeah. Oh, I got to write yours down for real because my daughter actually is into the airbender world. My other son moved on from it. but Okay. Moved on. Is that bad There's language? There's no such thing. My other son evolved past it. Well, he's old. I would say the majority of our listeners are in their 20s and 30s. Um, oh, hi, youngsters. 
no, 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 on the Bra- on the Braving the Elements podcast. Oh, I thought um, this. I thought this one. No, this is predominantly people in their 80s and up. <laughs> oh, my mom would love this show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's that cute Janet. She's so sweet. Isn't she? Wouldn't she be a good daughter? Boy, oh boy. I bet she's a good kid to her mom. <laughs> uh, all right. Stop. Well, I have these results. The fun is over. The laughter stopped immediately. Uh, everything grew deadly quiet. And I do have these results. I hope you're happy with them. I want to first let you know that, you know, the name of the game is MASH. That stands for Mansion, Apartment, Shack, or House. So that's already built in. You're going to end up with one of those. You did get the apartment. The apartment is in Hawaii. Hey. Um, so that's pretty great. What do you, what do you, you don't need a sprawling mansion in, in Hawaii because you're going to be outside all the time enjoying the beautiful surroundings. So apartment in Hawaii, good work there. I want to say, you know, while you're there, I don't know like how many sort of places there are to go play music, but I do want, I encourage you to find some because you are a fantastic musician. I'll say you play both the piano and the guitar and uh, have an aptitude in general for singing and making music uh, on various instruments. So congrats Mm. on that. Um, I don't know if the fact that you can jump into ordinary people whenever you want had some influence on the fact that you have had this alternate career as a shrink. But if there's a relationship there, it's obviously a positive one because um, it's it's worked out for you. Uh, I want you to also be happy about the fact that you have the uh, you have the ability to visit the Jordan era of the Bulls and just sit courtside, catch some catch some of those fantastic moves. Mm. (laughs) I've never sounded more like I don't know what basketball is. It's so sad. I think moves moves isn't specific, but it it works. (laughs) Get some of that great, got great jostling. You know what I mean. Just get some great, great bouncing. Okay. Um and stuff. Some of that banging to hear the bang of the thing that the thing that there's a ring and then there's a thing on the back and sometimes you hit that back and it makes that banging sound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure. Uh huh. You also have uh, this fantastic, during your travels or really whenever, if you want to listen to music that just speaks to your soul and almost feels like it comes from your soul, uh, rest assured that the late, great John Prine is uh, still around and at it again with the music of your life. Fantastic. You are very busy doing all of that. That being said, you still have time to get real messy with your crab, your buttered crab legs and, <laughs> and Carrie Russell. Carrie Russell, <laughs> hot buttered crab legs is also in your 100% guaranteed alternate universe mash future. Does Carrie so, like, does Carrie like crab legs in this them. world? Can't stand oh, them. So it's still not a perfect world. Well, you can't have everything. No. I mean, you can, but it's not going to work out. <laughs> No, she loves crab legs. Are you kidding me? She oh, loves them. Can't get enough of them. Oh, good, good. Okay. This is yeah. an interesting life. And this is, what's the S for in MASH? Uh, that you could uh, that would have been a shack. If you could have gotten And the H is a? Just a house. Got it. So okay. a mansion, apartment, a shack, or a house. Apartment, very respectable. Okay. Uh, what Now, can I ask you, why do you need to know that? Um, what kind of work are you going to do after this? 
well, specific I might, to that category. I might find this test and do it for my kids or something, you know? Like, okay. All right. Uh, mm-hmm, I like, mm-hmm. I like sort of these open-ended uh, psychological tests or games. They're kind mm-hmm. of fun. Mm-hmm. Well, you do need to be licensed to play this game. Oh. So I can send you, I'll send you, there are a few, few cl- online courses you can take before you're ready, but I, I will, I think it's worth it. Your kids are going to love it. It's going to be great. There's even a velvet rope in academia. <laughs> I'm constantly being reminded I'm not cool enough. All right. Fair enough. So, uh, that thus ends. The only other thing I would say is that, um, because I only interviewed gentlemen during the summer, uh, many years ago, Steve Ag coined it my Boys of Summer series. Oh. And I invite people to, off the cuff, see if they can remember any of Don Henley's Boys of Summer um, and try to depict it through some form of song. Whatever comes to mind. Out on the even road today, I saw a deadhead sticker in a Cadillac. They can never look back. How could I know? I can see you. Your brown skin shining in the sun. You got your hair pulled back. Wayfarers on, baby. I can see you. My love for you will still be strong after, after the, the boys, boys of summer, summer have gone. Yes. Great. Ah, oh, what a champ. Thank you so much, buddy. <laughs> this this was has been fun. so fun. Thank you. The show is produced by Julian Burrell and Christian Duenas. And as always, the JV Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by the amazing Say Hi. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.